Welcome to season two of the Testimony Service Podcast, brought to you by Engage. Engage is a brand I started at the end of last year to serve as a reminder for us to engage with God, to actually cultivate a personal relationship with Him, and then to engage others, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. And one of the ways we engage others is through our testimonies. So let's get into episode two, free pizza. Hi, my name is Anab Noor, and I am from South Dakota. Um, my parents were first-generation Americans, and I was the firstborn in America. And I've come from a Muslim background. Growing up, I would go to the mosque a lot, Duxi a lot. I don't know, I would love the community and I'd find my identity within the people because growing up in South Dakota, it was really hard to be around people at my school that didn't look like me, weren't Muslims, weren't even like African-American. I grew up in like an all white school. And so I found my identity within the mosque and going to Duxi and I just, I loved it there. From an early on age though, my parents divorced and it was hard because my mom, like my mom is a devoted Muslim, but she didn't force anything upon us. Um, and my father did. And so like going to the mosque was his thing, like taking us and going to Duxi. And so when they divorced, that just stopped altogether, unless we were the ones to ask my mom. From that point on, like I just lost that community and I was stuck with the people at my school. I was stuck with people that didn't look like me, didn't act like me, didn't know my culture or my religion. Um, and so it was really hard. Thankfully, I wasn't bullied. I wasn't like ever looked down upon, but in the back of my mind, there was always like a part of me that was like, I can be better. Like I, I need to be better. I need to do better. Um, and it just left this place in me to please people and strive for more. And yeah, as I grew up, a lot of the striving and a lot of the pleasing made me anchor in a state of mind that was like, oh, like I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. And I think like from that, like a lot of unworthiness and dirtiness was like was placed on me. And I just I fell into this this hole of like anxiety all the time of whether people were looking at me and depressive thoughts that just led to just really bad, bad things um, in mind games. During that point, it was about like seventh or eighth grade. And prior to that, my mom met another man. And so there was that that was going on. There was a lot of brokenness in that. And he was great to start with. Uh, after a while, he just got very abusive and very um, verbally abusive at first. And then it turned into him doing like drugs and alcohol and got very abusive, like towards my mother and towards us. And so it led me down like a path of depression and just not feeling like I belonged on earth or I belonged anywhere. And at that point, like I began to look into like the Quran and looking into Islam because I knew that like my father, like I could, I could reach out to him and maybe like be with his family or um, like, I, that's the only hope that I had was like, if I got to know my dad more and I knew that he was a devoted Muslim. And so I, I, I fully grasped onto that and I fully, um, believed, I believed Islam and I believed like the Quran and I believed in the words of the prophets. And yeah, about ninth grade, my mom and I just, our relationship was starting to like break apart and it was just starting to, I don't know, not, not be what it used to be. And it was because of my stepfather. Um, and I got in contact with my dad again, because my dad and I lost contact for a while, but 
we got in contact and I was just telling my dad all about the things that my stepdad was doing. And I just remember in the middle of my ninth grade year, uh, my dad was like, you're going with me. And he took me out of school like the last three months of my school um, and brought me to Texas with him. And it was a big shift and a big change. And yeah, I was back into the forcefulness of Islam. I was back into um, routine and like I thought that I was going to a place where I would find my identity again and I would find happiness and joy again. But I went into a place of like just full on, I know who you are. You can't know who you are. Like you can't find who you are. And that's just how my dad was. And he was loving and he was kind, but it was in a way that was like, you're my daughter. So I, I pretty much own you and I own what you are. And yeah, uh, that didn't go well as a ninth grade girl. I don't know. I feel like any ninth grader wouldn't wouldn't like that. And I began to just, I don't know, shut down in in that. And I just began to believe that there was no God. I was like, if there's no one back at home with my mom and if there's if my dad believes in this, then like what is God? Like God's not real. And I know deep down that like I believed in God, but I just was so stuck on like what like what is religion? Like why? And I was still like in a depressive state and going through anxiety and finding myself. And so it was really hard. And then it got even harder because towards the end of the school year, and I didn't even finish with my dad because I refused to wear a hijab one day. And he just was like, you're going, you're, you're going back to your mom's house, like you're leaving. And I just remember like how easy it was for him to get rid of me. Like he just cut a plane ticket and the next day, like just flew me back to South Dakota. Yeah, I think that's where like, a lot of the unwantedness really began. Like, I think they became thoughts at first, but it was like this daily lifestyle of I'm not wanted. And in that, like going it back to uh, South Dakota and going back to that same school. And I had friends there, but it was just my own mind, my own thoughts telling me that I wasn't wanted there. So going back in there and like my grades just being completely messed up now. And it just felt like my world was broken in ninth grade. Like, I just felt like I... Like I was done. Like I didn't even see past like a future after that. And so my 10th grade year, I just began hanging out with really not so great people. Um, they were people that weren't influencing me, specifically one girl. She would take me places and like we do things, but I never fell into that. And I, I always tell myself like that was the Lord. Like I've, I never drank or smoked or anything like that. I just I went to places, but I never did anything. And I just knew it was the Lord's hand protecting me. But this girl, and it's just the coolest thing because it's like, how good is the Lord that he just works in like literally any intricate thing. But this girl is an atheist and she's actually the person that brought me to church for the first time in 10th grade. And it wasn't like a, we're going to church. It was like, there's free pizza at this youth group. Like, let's go. I actually was kind of scared. I was like, I'm going to walk into this church and I'm going to burn. Like I used to just, cause my mom used to always tell me like, if you go into a church, like you're going to burn. And I think she meant like figuratively in hell, but like, I just felt like it was like, you go in there and you're going to burn. But yeah, my friend, she just left. Like she just left me. She got the pizza and left and I drove with her cause I wasn't driving. I just remember being like, Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And I had this friend, her name is Trinity, and I, I say her name because she's just the most amazing woman of God ever. And if it wasn't for her, I don't even know if I would still be going to church and youth and now where I'm at. But yeah, I saw her in the foyer and I asked her, I was like, um, hey, I kind of got left. Like, could you take me home? And she was like, yeah, I can take you home, but I'm not leaving until 
the service is done. So uh, I can take you home after the service. And I remember like kind of being aggravated because I was like, but I'm like not staying for the service. And so I just sat in the foyer for like the first 10 minutes. And I remember looking in because the doors were just wide open and there were games going on. And I was like, what the heck? This is church. Like, I just remember like I thought church was like a pope in like the big box. And you know what you see on TV in those olden days, like I don't know, my grandma would switch the channel like that's what I only like thought of as church. And so they were playing like these games where like they were doing like tic-tac-toe and running back and forth. And I was like, what is this place? And then after the games, there was worship. And I didn't know what worship was at the time. But I just remember, like, I was like, they're singing to God. And I like, that's not a thing in Islam. Like, you don't sing to God. That's just like, look down upon you. You don't even sing at all, really, unless it's like you're doing the surahs. But I just remember walking in and music to me when I was little, like that was something that like, I just write all the time. Like I've written lyrics for the longest time that I can remember. And it was just always like when I was hurting or when I didn't feel good enough, or when I was like, felt like I was worthless, like I would just write lyrics out. And sometimes they would just be dumb lyrics. And sometimes like they, like I've held on to a lot of them even today um, in my journals that I've kept since like the seventh grade. But I just remember walking in and I literally like, I don't, even understand like how the Lord did this because I in a moment I was like really mad I was like why are they singing to God like that's not okay and it was like my parents mentality almost and then all of a sudden like I just started crying (laughs) and I was in the back of the room and I I remember the lyrics of the song it was like I surrender I want to know you more and it was the song by I think Hillsong and I was just like what does that even mean and I'm crying and I at first I thought I was crying because I was angry and I was like oh this is like a law like he's mad at me But in reality, like I was crying because the Holy Spirit literally just touched me there. Like I know that now, but I didn't know that before. And I just remember crying and closing my eyes. And it wasn't anything like big, but I remember it looked like the lights turned on in the room, like when my eyes were closed. And so I opened my eyes and all I saw was like the purple light still on stage and it was dark. And I was like, what the heck was that? And so I just kept coming back. And I just remember telling Trinity about it. And she took me home and her family actually took me home. But it was just like the coolest moment. And ever since then, I just, I kept going back to the youth group and I was hiding it at the time. I hid my faith for two and a half years. I joined track to literally like on Wednesday nights, just go to youth group. Like I did shot put and I, I never went to any of like the meets or anything. I literally joined it just to go to church. Um, so that way my parents wouldn't find out like what I was doing. I just remember there was like points where like I would walk in and this is still 10th grade, but I was walking into the church and I was like, feel so good. And like, I was learning about who Jesus was. And at that point, I don't, I don't, I know that I wasn't saved yet. Like, I know that I was just learning like that Jesus wasn't my prophet. Like he was more. And yeah, as I was walking in, sorry, I get emotional. But as I was walking in, like I would feel whole and I would feel like I was loved and I'd feel like seen and wanted. And as I'd walk out, um, I'd go back to like a home of brokenness and I'd go back to feeling like I wasn't enough. And I'd go to school and I, I felt like I, I had to like hide who I was in a sense, cause I was walking into the church and then walking back out. And it was just like, I was living two different lives. And I, I didn't like that. Cause something um, about me is that like, I hate lying. I hate like just feeling like I can't be who I am. And so having to hide a piece of me was like one of the hardest things for me. And I think it actually left me more broken in the sense. And I had to like heal from that even now. But yeah, I walked into a Wednesday night. I remember it was June 
um, of 2017. Was that 10th grade or yeah, 10th grade? Wow. Um, so it was like summer youth, and I just remember walking in one day, and that like I thought it was going to be like a really good day, and it's just crazy how my mind and how the enemy now I know like worked in that way. But I was getting to know God more, and I was like understanding Him, and I walk into youth that day, and everything is good. Um, I'm hanging out with my friends before, and we go to youth, and then I remember that night like getting dropped off. And my mom, I remember she was telling me that um, my stepdad, he hurt her that night or whatever. And I just remember going to my room and they were just yelling at back and forth at each other. And I couldn't like handle it anymore. I just remember like, like the, it's not worth it. Like life isn't worth it. And I went into the kitchen actually. And I grabbed like about, I think it was three bottles of pills. I remember there was like Ben the Drill, Advil PM. Um, and I just started swallowing like, like crazy. I just started swallowing pills. I just remember like walking upstairs and telling my mom and my stepdad, like, I don't want to die. My stepdad actually was like, we need to get her to the hospital. And so I remember just crying all the way there. And like, it was just silent. Like the car ride was silent. And, but like at moments, my stepdad would be like, why did you do this? And my mom would be like, what, like, why would you do this? And question me. And I would just be crying. Like I couldn't answer um, that question, but like, this is like, I, I'm crying almost like good tears because like the Lord, like literally I got to the hospital, the hospital from my house, like we're, we live in the middle of nowhere, like the boondocks. And so it's like at least 20 minutes, like from my house. And I was already downstairs for like 10 to 15 minutes after I swallowed those pills. And it's like crazy to believe that like the Lord like did that. Like I held on for that long because I didn't reach like any shock until I got to the hospital and my body started going into a shock. And I just remember being like pricked with needles because they couldn't find a vein. But I remember waking up and them actually telling me that like I overdosed on, on pills. I just remember being in the room and it was crazy because they couldn't like give me anything in that room. But the only thing that I got was like this coloring journal book and these pen like these pencils that weren't sharp it was like these dull pencils but I got to just write in that room and so I got discharged and like the next day was church camp and there's this girl named Grace and I love Grace but she was telling me she was like if you can get like here to the church like we have a sponsorship for you like to come to church camp at this point like I'm like I don't know if I'm gonna get to go I don't know how to lie about that um, but I just remember telling my mom, I was like, I, there's this music camp, like, I really want to go. Um, and <laughs> she said yes, like, right away. And I just remember, like, she said yes, because of what just happened. Like, she thought, like, I needed it. And it was just like, I don't know. And I know, like, the, like, the suicidal attempt was not God. But I don't know if I would have been able to go to church camp without that. And so it's just crazy to think that, like, the Lord used something that was, like, broken and bad and turned it for good. Wow. Oh. I never even thought of it that way till now. I'm like verbally talking. Um, but yeah, like he used it and turned it for good. And I got to go to church camp. I spent a week with the Lord. And I remember, I think it was a Tuesday or Thursday. I never remember. But um, I remember the song Open River was playing. And it was just like saying like, heaven come down, like Open River, while wow, I mean, like even the day before they were talking about who Jesus was and is. And they were saying that like he is our like the healer and he like loves us beyond any anxiety. And it was a lot of talk about anxiety that that week of church camp and like how Jesus heals um, like the sick in mind and sick in, in any other way or form. And I was like, I I don't know, like 
why, but I want to, I want to be a part of this. And I just remember like people crying and just like, so in love, like with God. And I didn't understand it. Like I didn't get it. Cause like for so long, it was just religion for me. Like there was no relationship. And so I just remember thinking like, I, I want this, like, I need this. I know I need this. And in the back of that room, I gave my life to Christ on, I don't remember if it was a Tuesday or Thursday, which is so sad. I'm like, I want to know, but yeah, I gave my life to Christ to the song Open River. Uh, and it was it was just a moment. And I remember like walking out of that feeling so, so good. Um, but then coming back to reality and coming back to real life and knowing that like that was an everyday choice, like was to choose to surrender. Like it wasn't just that one moment and everything was going to be OK. Like I had to surrender daily. And even in the midst of hiding my faith or even in the midst of feeling like maybe I was wrong some days, like there were days where I was like, is, is Christianity wrong? Like, am I following the wrong path? Am I going to go to hell? Or there was days where I thought like, is God even real? Like, do I really believe that there is a God? Yeah. And there was days where like, like at the back of my head, I'm like, Allah is so disappointed in me and just re- like recognizing and thinking that like my parents were right all along and that I'm going to be the one that's lost, you know? Um, and those thoughts like still come sometimes, but now like I defeat them with like God's word because I'm strong in that. But prior to that, it was just always a thought. Yeah. And so for two and a half years, I just hid my faith from my family. And then I remember my junior year, my um, youth pastor, Pastor Casey, she's an amazing woman. She gave me this pamphlet for this leadership college called Atlanta Leadership College. And I wanted, like, I knew my heart desire was for that school. And like through prayer, like I knew God was calling me there, but it was like, I'm not going to get there because I'm hiding my faith. Like I can barely get to church some days. Like, how am I going to go to college at a Bible school and like do ministry? I don't know. My first thought was like, who's going to pay for it? How are my parents not going to find out? Like, how, like, how is that going to work? I go back to this church camp the summer of my junior year, like going into senior year. And there's this lady, Annette Rue. She is one of my spiritual mothers. I have so many. They're just amazing women in my life. But um, yeah, she was the district youth director assistant of South Dakota AG churches at the time. Um, and I remember like going to this church camp. And this is kind of like where the Lord starts like working like crazy in my life. I just remember her doing this panel and she asked the question, like, is doubting God like a sin? Like, is it bad to doubt God? And a lot of people were like, yes, yes. Like people were answering why and like quoting scripture to it. And I remember I just got done watching a Stephen Furtick message and it was talking about like doubting God. And it was talking about how Peter walked out on the water and like how he sunk. And like in that, like in my mind, I was like, but his faith grew from that because he was like, wow, you really are the son of God, like after sinking. And so I raised my hand, like kind of like nervously because I was new and a lot of people knew that I was new to the church. But yeah, I was like, I think it's okay to doubt God because in that, like your faith grows. Because when Peter walked out on the water and he started drowning and when Jesus came to him, he was like, you really are the son of God. And in that, like, that's where faith came and he like knew in the knowing. And I just said that out loud and she like paused for a moment and I remember being so nervous. And then she was like, you have a calling on your life to preach. And she was like, meet me at dinner. And I was like, oh my gosh, Annette Rue wants to meet with me at dinner. Like I was just like, so shocked and nervous and excited. And I remember like my youth pastor, Pastor Casey and her husband, um, Noel, they're amazing people, but they came up to me. They're like, she said that like, there's a calling on my life to like, there's a calling in your life to preach. Like, oh my goodness. Like, Annette just said that to you. 
And I was like, oh my gosh. And I remember Noel telling me like, he was like, the devil just heard that girl. So like, start, you know, start getting in your word. Like and he was, and he just like encouraged me that way. But yeah, that night I went, like I went to dinner and Annette was there and I went to go sit by her and just talk to her. And she just started asking me like, what do I want to do with my future? And I remember telling her, like, I'm a junior, like going into senior year. Um, I've been hearing about the school called Atlanta Leadership College, and I really want to go there, but I just don't know if I will be able to. So the reason why she just she told me, but the reason why Annette was there that week was because she was resigning as a district youth director assistant to go work at ALC. Um, and she told me at dinner, she's like, that's actually like that's like Atlanta Leadership College. That's where I got offered a job with Jeannie Mayo. And so she like she was like, like, I like I can like we can make a way like we can make a way. And I just remember having hope in that because it was like, whoa, like another thing I was afraid of is like if I go to the school, I don't know anyone. But like I would have somebody there already making a way for me to come to ALC. I just remember like there was a lot of points where I was like, I'm not going to get to go. And in my senior year, it was the decision like I wanted to get baptized. I was like, this is real. Like this is Christianity isn't just a religion like it's a relationship with Christ and he loves me and I want to make that public declaration like for real I remember the night before I was going over all my baptism things and this is in March and I'm I'm a senior now Um, my mom she works like late shifts sorry I I get emotional at this part I'm really sorry um my mom works late shifts so it's um she usually would come home at like one in the morning, sometimes three in the morning, like because she worked at a hospital. I just remember taking out my baptism notes and going upstairs with them. I usually would have to like hide my Bible in my dresser. Like I would never bring anything like of that stuff upstairs, but I did. And I went to the table and I brought my Bible and I had my like journal and I had my baptism notes and like like all my baptism notes was like why I wanted to get baptized, kind of like my little short testimony. And I left that on the table that night. I remember leaving the room for like a split second. Like, I don't even remember like being gone for that long. But then I heard like the garage door open and I was like, oh my goodness, like my stuff's upstairs. And I was like, hopefully she just won't go to the kitchen. Like, but she walked into the kitchen. um, And I just remember like silence for a while. And I was like, oh, she went to sleep. And So I was like, okay, I'll go grab it like in a minute. I don't even remember why I didn't just go upstairs and grab it, but I didn't. And I just remember like her saying like my name and it was like not anger. I, I think in that moment, I thought she was angry with me, but looking back at it now and like praying about it, I know like the Lord has shown me that it wasn't anger. It was almost like fear for me. And like, she was broken and really sad. I remember going upstairs and my mom like just asking me like what is this and in my mind like I really I really wanted to find a lie like I really wanted to just lie and tell her like it's for school or whatever and it was almost as if the Lord like took my mouth and I'm not crying because I'm sad I'm sad about the situation but it's like just a beautiful testament of who the Lord is but um I remember like just wanting to speak like out of my own flesh and like, just like lie. And my mom just asked me the question, like, is Jesus your prophet? And I was like, no, like, he's not my prophet. He's my savior. And she was like, get out of my house. And so, yeah, I was disowned that night. I remember calling my youth pastor and like calling Grace. I remember my youth pastor like telling me like, okay, like we'll talk to some families, like, can you like how much time do you have and I had like two hours and so I just started grabbing everything that I could 
Cause and at first, like for the first hour, like I was like, mom is not serious. Like there's no way, like my mom is an African, like mom, like she's so protective. Like there's no way that I'm getting kicked out right now. But I was, and I, I, I know that like the first things I grabbed were like my journals, my Bible, like everything that had meaning to me. And then I started grabbing like as much as I could. And I got a call in that moment and it was my friend Grace's actual like family. And they were like, we want to take you in. Like, we're going to come get you. And so her mom and her brother, they came and picked me up and gave me a place to stay. And it was like all the Lord. Cause I just, it was the middle of the night. Like it was 11 or 12 o'clock at night. And they just like gave me a home. And I remember like uh, Grace's mom came out and like went to go talk to my mom. And I, I remember just like my mom just like shaking her head because I, I didn't hear any of it because I was in the car. But she shook her head and just went back inside. And Grace's mom came back into the car and was like, you have a home with us. Like, it's OK. And I like remember that entire week. Like, I was like, no, like and Grace's mom actually left her address and phone number for my mom. Like if if she like was changing her mind or you know, like was just acting out of the moment. Um, but I remember the whole week just waiting for a call or like waiting, just waiting. And it actually like, I was waiting for months, like until my graduation, I was like, graduation day, she's going to show up. And I just had hope in that, but I still got baptized the next day. It was out of like, okay, like now I have nothing. Like Jesus, you're all I have now. And like, I'm going to still make this. Cause like in those moments, I remember even like singing the songs, like, like, all I have is you, all I need is you, all I need is you, Jesus. And prior to that, like, that occurrence, like, I was singing those lyrics, but I never knew that, like, I was going to have to, like, actually live that out. And so in that baptism, like, I rewrote my entire baptism testament that night. There was, like, the verse, and I didn't even know it was a verse at the time. I really didn't. I know I was, like, a senior, and I was already, like, three years in, but I didn't know this was a verse, and it was, like, your peace that surpasses all understanding, and I wrote that. I was, like, I want the peace that surpasses all understanding in my life to, like, guard my heart, and that baptism video is online, but looking back on that, and I was, like, that was all the Lord, because right after my baptism, there's a man by the name of Moses. His name is Musa, but he loves when people call him Moses, and he's my spiritual father now. Him and his wife, Barbara, are my spiritual parents, but they had the same last name as me and they saw that my last name on the screen that made them want to like come to me and they were like, wow, like, oh my goodness, like we have the same last name. Like what, like what's your story? And I, I just told them like what happened the night before. He was like, what do you want to do with your future? And I was like, I want to go to this school called Atlanta Leadership College. Like that's where I feel like I need to go now. And he was like, okay, like we'll, we'll get you there. And at first I thought like he meant like through prayer, like I didn't know like what he meant, but going into that summer, like I kept in contact with them and I still do, but I was like, okay, ALC, like this is what I'm going to do. I got accepted, but there's still not like, there's not going to be enough. Like, I don't know. I was like, there's no way that I'm going to have enough to still go to the school and like support myself financially. And I just was doubting. And I got a call from Moses and he was telling me, he was like, Hey, I have a few people like rounded up together and we're going to pay for your school. And so, yeah, I got my entire tuition paid off. It was like the coolest blessing ever. And I even got like more than that. Like people paid for like a laptop for me. People paid for my bedding, like everything. Like they just paid for my entire stay there. And like even throughout the year, I was getting like a stipend from the school. Like everyone did because of tuition, but I was still like getting supported and people were like helping me. And it was just 
the biggest blessing that I could have ever asked for. Like I didn't understand it or get it, but it was all the Lord. And so I got to go to Atlanta Leadership College. And I remember getting there with a lot of grief and just brokenness that I didn't even know. Like I didn't know I was grieving until like the end of like quarantine. So now, but I just remember getting there and like holding off my heart towards people and not giving my all. During March is where I became really close, like with a lot of the people there. And I started recognizing like, this is real. Like, Lord, I I want to live for you and only you. Like, I, I don't want my emotions to completely control me anymore. I don't want my own flesh to push people away or create disunity and brokenness. And so I started giving like all my control to the Lord. Like I was like, Lord, you have my control. I just remember my plan was to go back for a second year at Atlanta Leadership College. And um, that didn't unfortunately happen because the school shut down. There was some sexual misconduct that happened. And also because of COVID, there was just no way that the school could open up again. And yeah, I just remember like asking God, like why? And being like hurt by it, but also knowing that there was like, there had to be something more. Like I, like I had nothing else. Like it was like I had ALC. So like I had my family lost it, got to ALC, got a new family, lost it. And like, it was like, oh my goodness, like what, what now? There is nothing else after this. And I almost, I almost went back into a state of brokenness and a state of like untrust, But I remember like going back to his word and going back to like knowing that the Lord is there for me beyond any place, beyond any person. Like it's always has been the Lord and all I need is Jesus. Um, And so I stuck on to that. And I remember calling my young life leader, Alyssa Chambers. She's amazing. Um, Told her about the school and she was like, well, what do you want to do next? And so I was like, I think I want to come back to South Dakota. I, I can't stay in Georgia. Like there's nothing for me in Georgia. And so she made a road trip 18 hours and with a friend came and got me, picked me up. And I got like, she let me live with her for this summer. Like, what do I want to do? And at this time, actually during that quarantine, I like got noticed on TikTok and people were following me. And it was like, people wanted to hear my story. And I was like, but what do I want to do with this? Like, how do I, how do I share this? Like, how do I show people that like Islam, like, how do I make people not hate each other? Cause like a lot of the time my comments are always arguments because of the two religions, but like, how do I show people like the love of Christ and Christ alone? Like that's all you need. And the true relationship that comes with Christianity. Like, it's not just like a word, like Christianity, like the root of it is Christ, you know? And so like with TikTok and social media and people like like recognizing me and knowing me, like I was like, I, I think I want to pursue this. But I also like I want to pursue like just like I think I'm going to stay in South Dakota and work on my TikTok and maybe write a book. And like I just like kept telling myself the things that I can do as I was there. Like the Lord was like, well, not with TikTok, but like with staying in South Dakota, he was like, nope. <laughs> I remember one night, like I went to this worship thing on a Monday night and it was actually people from YWAM that came, like they were doing like a road trip across the U.S. I was like, hmm, maybe YWAM is for me. Like maybe that's what it is, Lord. And as I said that, literally like 10 minutes later, another person comes up from YWAM and they were like, someone in this room is like questioning about like if YWAM is for them, but it's not. And it was like, it's not for everybody. And I remember being like, okay, like, that's not me. That can't be me. And then like they were like, this person is holding back their yes from God. Like, they're not saying yes before God says yes, because they they think that God has to say yes in order for them to continue on with what he's already told them. And 
in that point, like my back in my head, I was like Bible college, like the Lord called me to four years to Bible college. And like, I remember like, and I know this had to have been the Holy Spirit because it was like the first thought in my mind after this man started saying that. And I was like, but if it wasn't ALC, then what was it? And the Lord, like, I literally heard him. And it was like, did I call you to a specific place or did I call you to Bible college? And I was like, oh my goodness. And so, yeah, it was crazy because that same, that next day, it was a Tuesday. Um, a lot of my friends from my ALC, uh, they went to this experience weekend at another school called SESL. And so all on my feed that night was just like a ton of like SCSL, SCSL. And I went on to the Instagram handle for SCSL and I just started looking at it. And I was like, okay, like I got to say yes before God says yes. And so this was literally like maybe two weeks before the actual school started. <laughs> but I was like, I'm going to submit an application. Like, why not? This is like at 10 o'clock in the morning. I was submitting this application and literally like 10 minutes later and this girl well this lady that works at SCSL and she was like hey like you want to do an interview right now and I was like no way and so I was like okay and so I uh we called each other and she started asking me like why I wanted to come to SCSL and literally the next day the executive director texts me and gets in contact with me and he's just talking to me and telling me and also apologizing to me about ALC because he actually like worked there for a while and so he knew the people there and he just started talking to me and I remember in his voice just feeling peace like as like the same piece that I felt when Annette was talking to me about ALC was like that same piece that I felt as he was talking, he was like, there is a place for you here. Like um, it's yours. Like, let me know, like give it a thought for the next few days. And I remember just telling him right then and there, I'm like, no, I, I know I want to go. Like <laughs> I just told him, I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to come. And he's like, okay. And he was just telling me like the financial things. And I remember in that moment again, I was like, okay, Lord, like you've done it before. Like you can do this again. I, don't drive. And so I, I had to, I had to fly. And so I was like, okay, so airfare, shipping my stuff, just all these different things. Like, how am I going to, like I said, yes, but like, how am I going to get here? And I remember telling Central Church, that's the church that I got baptized at, but I remember telling them like, hey, I don't like know what I'm doing now, but I, I feel like I need to go to this, this, this school. And about a week later, the missions director at Central called me and he was like, hey, we're going to pay for like almost all of your tuition and I remember like people would just began donating to through my Facebook fundraiser and so my plane ticket was paid off for and like Alyssa Chambers my young life leader and another leader of mine in my life Carmen and Alyssa shipped all of my stuff to SESL like they paid for it all and another woman by the name of Lisa she also paid for it and they just like got my stuff here and it was just like another like blessing on blessing again and it was like Lord, like, okay, this is all coming into place, but like, I haven't heard a yes from you yet. And I think in that moment, cause like even sitting in my apartment at SCSL today, I'm like, Lord, I don't know if it's a yes, but like everything, every open door and every opportunity has led to me to believe that it is a yes. And it's because I said yes first. And so it's just the grace of the Lord and how well he like knows us and knows like what we need. And he knew, he knew that I needed to say yes and take authority in what he's already said. So that's why I didn't hear yes from him. And I'm certain of that, but yeah, here I am at SDSL today and the Lord has just been working like crazy. The Lord has been so good here. And I don't know what the future holds. I don't know if like, I know the Lord has called me to four years, but I don't know if that's changed in any way. Cause 
There's moments where I doubt still, and there's moments where I question like if what I'm doing is the right way, but I know altogether like the Lord is gracious, the Lord is kind and compassionate, and his word is like what I will st- like stand firm to in the moments of doubt, in the moments of feeling like I'm not doing enough, or in the moments where I feel like I don't have it because like there's days where I'm like I'm in a financial rut or I'm in a like I don't I don't I don't get to speak with my like even my father's side like getting disowned completely by them and just like hurt from that and I I question if I'm like what I'm doing is right but being here and like getting to just be surrounded by people and like knowing that like I do have a family here at SCL and like I don't know why the Lord like why things got broken at ALC, but here now more than ever, I've learned like who the Lord is and like I'm understanding relationship and beyond any religion. And I'm getting to like recognize that like who he is is so kind and more than anything, like he loves me and people love me and I don't have to strive for or earn any kind of love. And I don't have to go seek out family because like when I accepted Christ, like a family of believers like was given to me with whether I liked it or not. But yeah, like I'm learning who the Lord is here and just knowing that he is a good shepherd and he loves me beyond anything. And I think there's moments where I will get so confused about who God is and I'll look at him as either my stepdad or my earthly father or who I thought he was in Islam and like having to do things for him. But like, sitting at SCSL today it's like a testament that like he more than anything cares more about us and us like as his children more than anything beyond any other title like he's a father um he's Abba and that's something that I hold dear to my heart and it's just crazy like I think I look back on my story and I'm like I it doesn't seem like any of that happened like it doesn't feel real but I, I know it's because like where I'm at now and the peace that surpasses all understanding, like that peace resides in me. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that like I've got like I've gotten a platform even to share my testimony. Like how good is the Lord that he took every broken thing and all the loss? Like I always tell myself, like if I could go and do this all over again, like the loss is so worth it because the gain was so much more like the gain has led other people like people in my DMs, like at age nine, giving their life to Christ and converting from Islam or people asking me questions like the gain is so much more than what I've lost. And I know the restoration is going to come. I know that my family is going to like, like seek me out one day. And I, I'm believing that they're going to come to Christ. Like I, I, I'm believing my mother is going to come to Christ and other things will fall into place. But because I'm holding on to the Lord's promise, but like, I also know that if that never happens, like I am firm in my foundation with God and I'm not going to turn away, even if it doesn't happen, because I know whose I am. And I know that he is real and that Jesus is more than my prophet. And so like, if everything was the same forever, and if there was no restoration, I would still choose Christ. And I, I think that took me a long time to get to that, but like I've recognized that now and like this is literally four months ago. That's when I first recognized it um, and recognizing who God really is more than any religion. Even today, I was sitting and reading a book called Softer God. Reading it today brought me to tears by like the poetry in that book. Because it's like, how sweet is God? Like it just he seeks us out 
and like we don't have to strive for seeking like he's he's already there and he loves us and it's just it's so beautiful even in my chaos like he's there yeah yeah that's just that is my testimony I love it uh man God clearly has his hand on your life I mean I'm just thinking of the scripture that says that um He works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so like how you kind of touched a little bit on how like, obviously like suicide isn't God's will, but like that, how that suicidal attempt like led your mom to let you go to the camp the next day and, you know, led you, you know, along the way to um, ACL, ALC, ALC. Um, And then now to where you are now. And it's just, it's just amazing how, He's been directing your path even before you even knew he was directing it. And so, and your story is just, uh, there's so, there's so much good stuff in there. Thank you so much for sharing. I really, I really appreciate you just sharing that, that story. It was, it's beautiful. So let's talk a little bit about how, when you said yes to God about going to SCSL, but then like realizing that you didn't really have the resources for it. Can you just encourage the listeners for like, things that they feel like God is leading them to do, but it just looks like larger than life or that, you know, there's no way, like, can this be God? Because I don't even see how I can, how I can put it together. A lot of times we're trying to figure it out and piece it all together, but just, just a little bit of encouragement for people who are scared to maybe take that step because they're trying to see the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the first thing that I had to learn, and it's actually something I learned at ALC by my mentor's husband, Nate Palasok, but a quote that he said was, if we're not like giving our all, then how can God give us our all? Like, how can he give us what we are wanting? And so I had to learn that, like, I had to quit my mind and my thought process. And even if it wasn't from the enemy, sometimes it was just myself just overthinking every single little detail. And I just had to give that to God and be like, okay, Lord, like, I'm going to give it all to you, but I also had to put in the work. Like I had to reach out to people and I had to figure out like financially, like how I'm going to handle it. And I had to, like, when I put in the work, the Lord just covered the rest of it. And I think so many people will have this idea, have this thought, or the Lord will put something on their heart and they'll sit on it and they'll be like, I don't know how how it's going to work out. I don't know how I'm going to get to this point, like financially, or sometimes it's even like my fears, like it's holding me back. Like I don't know how I'm going to get past it, but I think we need to stop asking how and just do like, we just need to start walking in it because in knowing that the Lord has already, has already carved that path out and it's already there. It's just, it's our matter of choice, the free will that he has given us to walk on that path. Like I even think about you and your podcast, like if the Lord gave you that thought and you just were like, but my fear, like, I don't know if I, if I'm going to do this or you feared about, is anyone going to get on it or anything like that? If all those fears stopped you, then, then would you be sitting here today, like getting to show people like the love of Christ? And I think people need to recognize that like every little part of that people do, like when it comes to podcast or TikTok even, or um, writing a book or becoming like big name speakers, like none of that would have happened if they didn't just give their God. Yes. Like the yes first and walk out even in the midst of not knowing, like, like when Peter was called out on the water, you know, like, are you going to say yes first before you know, like that God is there. And I think that's the question you have to ask yourself and walk in and, and know before anything else. Yeah. I like what you were, you were saying um, 
about how like faith without works is dead. Cause yeah, a lot of times we're just trying to, I, I don't know what we think we're waiting on. <laughs> we'll just be sitting there just waiting and waiting, I guess, waiting on God to move first when he's really just waiting on us to move first because he can, he can bless us. And, you know, I feel like in the old church, they used to say he'll put his super on our natural and, you know, <laughs> make a miracle out of that. But a lot of times if we don't take that first step, I mean, God can make, God can make miracles out of nothing. But a lot of times if we're not taking that first step, it's almost like there's nothing for him to bless. We're just like wait, waiting on him and he's waiting for us. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's good that you were able to, you felt the peace to make the, about the decision to go to the school you're at now. And you were able to take that first step. Mm-hmm. But then talk a little bit about that process where you were like, you said yes first, but then you were waiting for like the confirmation of God. Like, are you sure this is where I'm supposed to be? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, there was definitely a lot like of fears in those moments like that because it it was a blessing. The Lord did it in a week. And so I didn't really have a lot of time to doubt. But and I think I was like hyped up already on the yes that I was giving him. And so there wasn't a lot of room to doubt him. But for people that like do have that room or that space, like I would encourage them to like, I don't know, not let it just be a thought, like start planning. That's I think that's what helped me. I started planning like what I was going to do down there and like what like what I wanted to do and in that planning it just got me more excited and that excitement like I just didn't want to leave it on paper like I had to just do it and so yeah and then the Lord just worked that week and financially I was blessed but I think like yeah prior like what you were even saying like faith was that works is dead and like putting in that work and not like even if it's just like writing out the thought I think so many of us like hold on to the thought and never really actually do anything with it, but even writing it on paper, because I think writing it down, even for me, but I, I'm a writer, I love to write, but writing it on paper, like makes it real for me. I'm like, okay, this is real. And so it puts me in action. And so like finding out like how a thought to you can become real and like just doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. I think one thing that helped me, at least like with the podcast was So I kind of looked at, okay, I've never had a podcast. Like, what do I even do? And it's Mm -hmm. easy to get overwhelmed because you're just looking at everything. And I don't Mm -hmm. know, we're just so adamant about figuring out the whole picture before we even take one step. And so for me, I think something that helps is like literally, like you said, it could just be writing it down. Just take the smallest first step (laughs) and then, you know, let God meet you in that and, you know, take it step by step. Okay, so you were so excited about ALC and then, you know, it got shut down and COVID happened and all this stuff. So, okay. When things come up now, I would say, how do you continue to trust God when it appears like the blessing that you've been waiting on so long that you finally got the yes to, like, it seems like God is taking it back. Mm, that's a good question. It's actually something that I pondered like during that quarantine. Cause like you're just in your thoughts all the time because you're just inside But I remember like thinking that thought and right away, like just shutting it down because I had to remember like human error was what caused like, like the discourse of me. It wasn't God, like God knew that it was going to happen, but it's because of a man that, that our ALC got shut down and it wasn't because of God. And so I had to remember that and I had to remember like, yes, okay, plans changed and the course is gone, but the Lord is so good and he's so kind that he has another like course for me. And it's mother, my choice. I'm going to either walk on the big wide open road or I'm going to walk on the narrow path with him, knowing that the choice is there at the end of that road that he's given me and that he's like so 
goodly and graciously placed already, like hadn't like a plan, another plan that he already knew. And so I had to remember, like, even in the brokenness and even in it, like God already knew it was going to happen. So what am I going to do in that moment of knowing that God already knew this was going to happen? So obviously he has another like plan for my life. Like, cause it, like his word says that he has a plan for us and promises like are never unfulfilled. And so I had to look at his word and say like, okay, if his promises aren't fulfilled, number one, and if he has a plan in my life and the plan that I thought like he had for my life is gone, then what is like, what's next? And I had to like seek him out in the quiet time. And I think going into my secret place and like getting to talk with the Lord and going in with worship and just sitting with him in silence and there was a lot of tears, like a lot of a lot of tears, even coming to SCSL and sitting in the sanctuary and recognizing like this is an ALC during orientation week and just a lot of brokenness and recognizing like, wow, like there's a few people from ALC here, but what like what now? Like this isn't this isn't the place I thought I was going to be. But I had to like look and see like this is where the Lord knew I was going to be like this is where the Lord like saw me this like he already saw it. And so I, I hold on to the comfort and the peace and knowing that the Lord has already seen everything in my life and he knows all the plans in my life and his promises are never unfulfilled. That's what kept me comforted in the moments of just unrest and thinking all those thoughts of like, Lord, I'm not on the same path that I thought I was going to be at. Like I'm in the middle of South Carolina, um, not knowing like this is the third state I've been in in the last year and a half. Like where do you want me? And the Lord's like, just be still and know that I'm God and just know that I'm there and know that I already know. And so, yeah, that's what I held on to in those moments. Yeah. That's awesome. Cause I, f- I feel like when God blesses us and it's the thing we really wanted and we're like walking in it, it's mm-hmm. easy to start relying on the resource as opposed to the source, which is God. And so I feel like, I don't know, I'm not saying he likes to throw wrenches in there, but um, I feel like, you know, when the course of what we thought we were supposed to be doing changes, it it kind of keeps us on our toes, keeps us relying on God. And like, even if without, without realizing it, we can kind of lose hold on the dependency that we had on God, because mm-hmm. now we're just relying on, oh yeah, this thing happened. So yeah, thank you, God. But like, I'm good now because now I know where to go. And so, yeah, yeah it's awesome that I don't know he's just he's just faithful through through all of it, even when it looks like it's it's not working out how it is. Yeah, your story is just proof of that. So yeah, I lo- I love your whole story. <laughs> I just I look back, I'm like, there's there's no way. But it was like all the Lord, because the strength that he's given me, I'm just I'm I'm amazed by it. It's just so it's a testament of who he is and his goodness, like you said. But yeah. Yeah. So if you could just Say something to people who are questioning God, questioning Christianity, whether it's the, you know, the one true religion or they think, you know, there's multiple ways to God or they just don't know. They're just kind of all over the place mentally. They want to know. They just they just don't know. Mm. You can speak on how Christianity is is the way. Mm. So I want to actually go back to the, the question that Annette asked me. And it was, is it OK to doubt God? And when I said yes, I want to dive into that, actually, what you said, like all those questions and that doubting that people are doubting. And even myself, 
that even in the midst of doubt, like again, with free will, am I going to take that doubt and am I going to let the enemy manipulate it and tell me that like there is no God and make me steer away from God? Or am I going to hold on to the doubt and dig into his word and find out the truth and get into relationship and let that bring me closer to God and closer to the truth? Because with Peter, Peter doubting that led him closer to God. But are we going to be like Peter or are we going to be like somebody else and let the doubting and the lies even Eve, like, are we going to let the doubt of that, that apple, like steer us away from the truth of God and let like lead to brokenness? Cause I think we often forget that the Lord, like without the Lord, like we have no purpose in life. And I think so many of us, like when people are questioning, they are looking for purpose. They're looking for identity. They're looking for like who they are. And if they can't, if they can't find that in the Lord and in their questions of doubt, I think they tend to steer away and try to find that in other things of the world, but the world isn't going to satisfy you at the end of the day. You're going to find moments of emotion. You're going to find moments of maybe moments of peace, but like they're not true peace. The only true peace that you're going to find is from the Lord. And so let your doubt steer you towards God. I would also urge people like, if you are constantly doubting what I recognize, and this is for myself too, but what I recognize is in the moments where I was questioning, like, is God real? And as like a junior and senior in high school, and I was questioning, like, am I in the right path? I recognize like now at SCSL, the reason why I was questioning constantly is because I was only stuck in religion. I had no actual relationship with God. Like I knew his word and I knew who he was and I knew who he said he was and I knew who he said I was but there was no relationship. And in these last four months, like I've been building relationship with the father. So I'd urge people to get into relationship because it's like your best friend. Like if someone, someone in your life an acquaintance knows you and you know that they know you, you're obviously going to feel like, no, but I can't trust them with everything. And you can easily walk away from them. And like, you'll question them all the time. Like, it's like, are, are these people like for me or do they just know things about me? Like, or like, the opposite of that, having that best friend and like having that relationship with them and just getting to like sit in a room with them and knowing that they like love you and know you and you're not questioning any intention that they may have for you because you have relationship with that person. I think we need to be steered towards being best friends with the Lord and like knowing that he, everything that he has said to, for us and everything that he has given us and everything that he has told us is, is from the root of relationship. It's not religion. Like, the Bible is just full of relationship. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Testimony Service Podcast. If you'd like to share your testimony on an upcoming episode, visit www.martinanicole.com slash podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It'll help get these testimonies to more ears. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. We'll be back next Wednesday, so here's a sneak peek for you. I was in the middle of eighth grade. I was in middle English. I had flunked first grade, and I was stuck with resentment for years and years. There was a basic distrust of life. There was a desire to get even, and there was a felt need to manipulate life in your favor because if you don't, it won't be in your favor.